And I start this sermon kind of with, with a, uh, just a, just a kind of a heavy heart. Recently, there's been a, many cases of famous Christian figures that have had allegations brought up against them for some really uh, bad things. Um, most recently, if you guys know uh, Ravi Zacharias, he was a very respected man in my opinion. I really, I followed them, him for um, for a while. Um, I remember when he passed away, and I, I remember all the sermons that, and like the arguments that he would present at these places. I remember um, in one of my classes, we had to uh, listen to one of his arguments, um, apologetic arguments, and it just, I thought he was such a, a, a well, like, it's just a powerful thinker. And Carl Lentz um, from Hillsong, New York, he's also um, had an affair, and there were, he was removed from the church and had all of these crazy things happening. And then Bill Hybels recently as well, his, uh, there was an in, uh, independent investigation about him. And so um, there's all these allegations that are happening. And last week, Mina, in our short prayer meeting that we have before service, she brought it up. And we're like, well, how are we to you know, perceive? How do we respond to this? And we had a time of prayer. And I remember thinking the first thing that popped into my heart and in my mind um, was that we needed to have a fear of the Lord. Um, and I felt like just that's just just the weight of it kind of settled upon my heart um, as I was kind of sharing. And um, you know, and the one of the examples that we can learn from these uh, men that have you know had these uh, you know these falls in their life, if you would say, is we need to learn that we need to have a fear of the Lord. And so I felt it was a good time for me to preach on. A fear of the Lord. Recently, I've been preaching a lot about true relationship with God, how important relationship with God, and we have to understand that relationship is very important. God created us for relationship, right? What He wants with us is this love relationship. But I believe I would be giving you, uh, I would not be giving you the full counsel of God and the full counsel of the Word of God if I didn't preach and instill upon you a need for a, the fear of the Lord. Um, the Bible teaches us to fear God, and some people this sounds all this sounds weird because we're you know God loves us. It's the first thing that we learn when we're in VBS, right? Jesus loves you, God loves you, right? Uh, and and the Bible says that you know we're we're supposed to to love God, and He's supposed to love. He does love us. First John four eighteen tells us perfect love casts out fear. So what does it mean for us to fear God? Like does this make any sense? And a lot of people. They um, they kind of just you know minimize the whole fear of the Lord and they just kind of want to focus so much on love and relationship um, and it doesn't really make sense to some people like how why do I fear somebody that loves me why do I fear somebody that I love and um, if you if you guys are married you guys will kind of understand um, you learn that when you get married you love the person that you get you're married to. But you're also a little terrified of the person that you're married to, right? When I got married, I realized, like, oh, there's, I, I, I have a fear for Mina, right? It's not that she's going to hit me. Although she has hit me, and it is very painful. Like, she learned to punch from this boxer a long time ago. And so she really knows how to punch. Like, she punches with her hips. Most girls punch like this, right? I'm not trying to make fun of girls punching, but... So up, up to my life, well, usually girls, when they punch, they punch like this. But Mina learned to punch with her hip, like this. And this is how you're supposed to punch. You punch through the person, and she'll hit me, and it's like, it hurts, right? But I'm not scared of her, like, any kind of physical harm that she can do me. 
Um, but it's more of a fear of hurting her, of disappointing her. Uh, every argument that we get into and it starts to get a little serious, there's like this creeping terror that I have in my heart. It's like, oh no, she's going to cry, right? And I remember when she cries, I'm like helpless. Like, what can I do when she's crying, right? And like, like I, I just become this like <laughs> person whenever she cries. Like, there's like nothing for me. I like, I just, you know, I don't even know how to comfort her at times. And and so um, we just have a fear uh, of our spouses. And it's just kind of this relationship that we have. We're able to understand. But, um, you know, but a fear of the Lord is not terror. It's not being scared. Um, it's not being scared of God. But a fear of God is having deep reverence and respect for Him. Right? It's having this deep reverence, um, this honor and respect, you know, because who he, he is, who He says He is. You know He's with you, you know, you know He's watching you, that He's present in your life, His presence is there, the weight of His presence is there, and it changes the way that you live your life. That's the fear of the Lord. Right? Um, you know, this doesn't really work here in Korea, because Korean police are not intimidating at all, right? I've like I've seen people, I've seen guys on scooter literally run a red light right in front of a police officer, and they do nothing. Right? They just go and like they'll like even weave amongst people that are crossing the street, and they just sit there. And, and I've seen and so it doesn't really work here in Korea, but in America, I don't know if you guys have ever lived in America, but just the presence of a police car strikes fear in your heart, right? Like it just does, because like they're they're they have guns. They can like throw you in jail. It's just, just the consequences of what they can do, you know. And so like I don't, I don't care how big or macho you are, how you know how buff you are. As soon as you see a police car, you straighten up, right? Your butt clenches a little bit, right? And when you're driving, you drive a little slower, you know. You put on your seatbelt and like, you know, you 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 make sure that your hands are you know ten and two. You get off the phone. You you like you stop eating that cheeseburger that you're eating. You know, you, you straighten up because you know that there's a, the police and you have reverence for the police because, you know, they can, they can do things to you. They put you in jail. They make your life difficult. And so I'm not saying that God is like a cop. God's not up in heaven policing us and pointing out all the mistakes that we make. He doesn't want to bust us, right? That's not Him. But we have to know that God is holy. He's just. He's righteous. And he wants us to have a healthy fear of him. Uh, and I'm going to explain that a little bit more. But, you know, he wants us to know who he is. And it's this reverence for him because he is who he says he is. And he's done what he said. And he possesses the wisdom and the, and the plans that's best for us. You know, like without him, we're nothing. Right? It's that understanding. It's that fear that should guide and cause us to live lives that are according to His will and His purpose. That's the fear of the Lord. The first thing I want to point out is that um, the true fear of God causes us to draw near to God. Right? The tr- if you have a true fear of the Lord, right, it causes us to draw near to God. Uh, it's the difference of being scared of God. When you're scared of something, you run away. Right? I remember when I was in high school, we went to this thing called Not Scary Farm. Like Halloween time, you go to this amusement park and they have all of these, these, these crazy, scary things. And I remember I was walking through this thing and, and I had, we were all like on dates, right? We all brought girls, you know, cause you know, they get scared and they hug you and everything. I remember like this dude, this clown popped out and my friend Steve, he literally pushed her 
his date like into the into the the clown and he like turned around and just ran out of there. Right? He draws away. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever we're scared of something, we we pull away from them. Right? But I want to tell you that when you have a true healthy fear of the Lord, you draw near to God. In Genesis. You know, when Adam and Eve, they mess up and they sin, it says, but the Lord, God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And this is what Adam says. He says, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid. And because I was naked, I hid myself. You know, Adam here was afraid of God. And this is not what the fear of the Lord is. He was terrified of God. And we, many of us, we make this mistake in relations to our fear of the Lord, we think that we're supposed to be scared of God. And when we have this understanding, it actually causes us to pull away from Him, right? We have this, we make this like separation between, between God and us. Like God scares me. And so now I'm going to make this division where I'm just going to have my own life here and I'll approach God, right? In those moments where I feel like I need to, but I want the separation. That's what happens when we're afraid of God. Right? When we're terrified of God. I remember when you know when you're when you're young and, and you know my, my dad used to like you know my dad was one of those people that would like slap us around and beat us around. And I remember like like whenever um, I would get in trouble, right? I would have this fear of God. I, mean, I would avoid him at all times in the house, right? We have a pretty small house, but I learned how to like avoid him. When I hear him walking, I would go and like. I'd be in the kitchen for a while, and then he would sit down, and I would like, you know, go back into my room. And but, but we want to try to avoid the people that we're afraid of. But being afraid of God is not for us to. Is be having a fear of the Lord is not for us to draw away from Him, but a true fear of the Lord causes us to draw near to Him. Right? Exodus twenty verse eighteen. This is when Moses and the people of Israel and God is giving the law. The people of Israel, it says, Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled and they stood far off and said to Moses, You speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you that the fear of him May be, may be before you that you may not sin. The people stood far off, but Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. Listen to what Moses says, right? It's like an oxymoron. It's like a contradicting statement. He says, Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you that the fear of him may be before you that you may not sin. You guys hear that? It's like, don't fear, but God wants you to fear him, you know? It's like one of those those contradicting statements. And here we have two distinct definitions of what it is to fear God. Right? Being terrified of God, being scared of Him, and having a fear of the Lord. Because one causes us to pull away from Him. The people stood far off, right? But but you know, a true fear of the Lord causes you to draw near. It says, verse 21, the people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. And we know that Moses was close to the, he had, he had a fear of the Lord. And here's one of the keys in truly understanding, oh my eye, the fear of the Lord is that what did the people truly fear? When we read this passage, what did they really fear? Do you guys know? What did they fear? 
They fear death. You speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. There's one thing that people fear above all else in this world, and it's death. But there is the thing about fear of the Lord, is that God replaces the fear of death with the fear of the Lord. The people feared death. Moses had a fear that was replaced his fear of death, and it was a fear of the Lord. And it caused him to draw near. Jesus says, this is... This is how Jesus says it in Matthew 10, 28. It says, And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear Him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. When we truly have a fear of the Lord, it's seeing Him for who He truly is and understanding that we need Him more than anything else in this universe, right? That in Him we transcend death. That death has no sting. That death has no power over us. That when we are in God, we have, death has no power over us. And this causes us to draw near to Him. It causes us to cling to Him. But so many times we live our lives with death hanging over us. And it produces fear in us, which is not from God. Right? A lot, So many of us, we walk in fear. Something happens at work and we fear that, oh, I'm going to get fired. And, and what will happen if I get fired? I won't have money. And I can't buy the things that I need. And I won't be able to pay my rent. And I won't be able to buy food. And all of these fears, you know what it traces back to? When, when, all, when you trace whatever fear that you have, whatever irrational fear that you may have, when you trace it back to the original source, it all traces back to a fear of death. And this is very relevant these days in the days of COVID. Now, I'm not saying that we should be, you know, like, run around without masks, licking things at random places. But what is your fear level when it comes to COVID? Are you walking in the fear of the Lord, or are you walking in the fear of death? Because I believe that even Christians these days, right, they're walking in this fear of death. They look at COVID like it's a death sentence. What did Jesus do on the cross? He came to so that He can bring us abundant life, eternal life with Him, which replaces the fear of death with the fear of the Lord. Right? A reverence and a respect for Him, for who He is, what He has done, living and walking in obedience to Him, obedience to His Word, being led by the Spirit of God. Right? This is the fear of the Lord. And when we have a true fear of the Lord, right, the fear of death, right, it, it kind of it is meant for it to go away. Because when, when we have true faith in God and when we have true faith in Jesus, the fear, fear of death is just minimized. Death has no sting. Death has no power over me. And that's what the fear of the Lord is there to replace. But so many times, even as Christians, we walk around with this fear hanging over us. We're living constant lives of fear. Is it, The reason is, is because we don't have a reverence for God. We don't have a fear of the Lord. Here's a very important thing about the fear of the Lord. Because as believers, we can have a relationship with God, but not have a reverence for God. You can actually be a true Christian that has a relationship with God, but not have a fear of the Lord. Now, I would question those people. I was like, oh, are you really saying? True relationship with God should produce reverence and trembling and fear before Him. 
And if it doesn't, you have the wrong understanding of who God is. If you think your relationship with God is all about love and happy feelings and joy and, 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 and you know, like just the emotions that you get from Him, you have a very immature, vague, incomplete understanding of who God is. Because when we truly know God, we can't help but be in wonder and awe and an amazement and reverence and trembling before Him in His righteousness and His holiness and His, and His goodness. He is God. He is the creator of the universe, right? He is holy. Here's the thing, having a relationship with God, it gives us peace. It brings us into eternal life. Holy Spirit comes and lives with us, but it doesn't give us wisdom. It doesn't give us power over to overcome sin. And it doesn't bring blessing in our life. Because those things can only come when you have a fear of the Lord. Right? You think you're going to get wisdom by just soaking in God's love? No, you get wisdom when, I'm going to talk about it later, is when you have a fear of the Lord and you start to truly obey Him in the things that He's, caused, he's, he's commanded you to obey. And there's so many believers today that have a relationship with God, but lack a reverence for God, a fear of the Lord. So many people that fear what the world can do to them and very little about what God can do to them. They have reverence for like political parties and government and the police and the doctors and lawyers and the IRS, right? <laughs> and bosses and, and you know, like Wanjang names and all of these people. They have the reverence for them, right? You know, you don't, there's people that like are, that, you know, like just like literally like bow down before their bosses, right? Because they feel like, oh, if I don't, like, they're going to fire me. Well, what happens when you get fired? You get another job, right? Because God provides. God opens those doors. But then people, no. They allow their fear to, like, grip their hearts. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, I need, like, like I, I need to have reverence for the person that's giving me my paycheck. But then we forget about the reverence that we need to have for God. Here's the truth. Whatever you revere, that's who you fear. And so many of us, we live with a constant fear of man and what man can do. What is this world, what this world can do to us? You know, I'm going to get fired or I'm going to lose my job or what the, the doctor said this or somebody got COVID in that that home plus. I'm never going there again, right? Now, I'm not saying that we're supposed to go around, you know, saying like no fear to everything, jumping off buildings, you know, telling your boss he's an idiot. <laughs> uh, the doctor tells you you have high cholesterol and you're like, I don't care, I'll live forever, you know? Some people do that. Some people, the doctor will say, you know, you have really high cholesterol. It's like, I don't care, I'm gonna live forever, right? Young people do that. You know who did that? Me. What I'm saying is having a fear of the Lord above all else, even the fear of death, will help you overcome other fears. That's my second point today, is that having a fear of the Lord will help you overcome all your other fears. Because we live in a very fear-driven society, no? Like COVID, right? Global warming. And when you have kids, it gets even worse, right? You start fearing for your kids. 
oh man, what am I, my kids, is, is my kid dumb? What's wrong with him? You know, like, I remember when, when Ezra was first born and I would like go up to him and I'd clap and he wouldn't move his head. It was like, oh, he's dead, right? Give him a hearing test, right? We live with fears. And you know what? These are legitimate concerns that we should have. Global warming, we should be concerned. COVID, we should be concerned. And what I'm saying about the fear of the Lord is not saying that you forget or ignore your fears. You know, like I'm going to live forever, right? That's not what I'm saying. But when you have a true fear of the Lord, where you are seeing God rightly, seeing Him as the most important person in your life, knowing who He is and what He has done for you, and you have a reverence and a respect and an honor for His presence in your life. When you have that, all your other fears become mere problems and issues. So did you hear what I said? I said there's a difference in looking at something with fear and that same thing as just a problem or an issue in your life. Okay, when we're in our flesh, right, our outlook becomes like a magnifying glass. And what does a magnifying glass do? It makes very small things look big, right? And you get a magnifying glass and you're looking at an ant. He's like, oh, that looks big, right? And when in our flesh, it makes everything that's small in our life really big. And that's what happens when we start to have fear in our lives. And when I, I, Mina and I would have fought so many times over the most petty, small, insignificant things, right? But that's what we do. We, we have these things in our, in our minds that makes everything like a magnifying glass. Like small, insignificant things. We make it blow it up really big, right? Big issues in our lives. But God wants our outlook to be like a telescope. A telescope helps us to see something that is astronomically big and helps us who are small and far away be able to see something that is like the size of a galaxy. Helps us to put things into perspective. When you're able to look up through a telescope and see like a galaxy, you realize how small you truly are. And when we see God correctly, we see Him for who He is and what the, and, and, and we have the proper response of reverence and awe, how great and holy and how majestic and how awesome He is. And we learn to truly have a fear in the Lord. Everything else, all of our fears, all of the things that we thought were so significant, they start to become a lot less significant. And we're able to see them for what they are. They're just problems. There are certain things that needed to need to be changed or modified. And we're able to overcome them. But what happens when certain things happen? And it's the whole thing of control. When certain things are out of our control, like like fear grips our heart. And that fear, we're like, oh, what's, what's going to happen? Like, how are we going to do this? Now, this I'm, I'm, I have not mastered this, you guys. This happens to me all the time, right? I, like when we couldn't find the sanctuary, I was just like, well, like I had like acid reflux. I was taking Tums like every night. I was like, ah, oh, you know, like I was like, this is hard. I was like, well, God, what are we gonna do? I have no answers coming. And I was like, God, we're just we're just gonna we're gonna stop being a church. And I would just like, right? But it's because of the whole thing of control. But when we have a true fear of the Lord, and you know what? There's something that I need to work on too. When we truly have a true fear of the Lord, when we see like, God, you are everything to me, and everything else is just stuff, we're able to see problems and, and fears in our lives for what they are, that they're just 
mere problems. They're just mere issues in our lives. The fear of the Lord gives us perspective. And He doesn't want to just remove our fear, but He wants to replace our fears. Right? He wants to replace the fears that we have with a good, healthy, legitimate, you know, like a, 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 a legitimate fear of the Lord in our hearts that doesn't take us to a place of hopelessness, but draws us into a place of hope. A fear that gives us wisdom, a fear that gives us the power to overcome sin, a fear that, that brings blessing into our lives. And a fear that pulls all, puts all of the other fears in our lives into perspective and helps you to walk in obedience. It's a fear of the Lord. And we have a choice. We are, we're all have a choice of either walking in the fear of the Lord or we walk in the fear of man. We could either walk in the fear of the Lord or we can walk in the fear of death or in the fear of the world, right? What the world can do to me. And these fears, they cripple our hearts and they cause us to walk in our flesh and we start to make really dumb choices and really dumb decisions in our lives. And so the fear of the Lord, right? Truly having a fear of the Lord causes all of the other fears to come in line and it turns them from fear into just mere problems that we can manage and we can solve. My next point is that the fear of the Lord helps us to see sin correctly. Proverbs 16.6 says, By steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for, and by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. You know, when we overemphasize love and grace, and you know what, love and grace, I preach it all the time. But when we overemphasize love and grace without truly understanding God and who He is and His character and His and, and just just some, the, the the majesty and the magnitude of who He really is, right, we start to walk in like cheap grace. We start to walk in grace that's like that we just toss around. Romans six one, Paul talks about this grace. He says, "What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound?" By no means. How can we? How can we who died to sin still live in it, right? But what happens when we don't have a true fear of the Lord, a true understanding of the fear of the Lord? It can cause us to walk in this cheap grace, the kind of grace that people we start to flirt with sin or we start to mess around with sin, with an excuse that we are forgiven by the grace of God. Instead of walking in the fear of the Lord, you know, if we're not walking in the fear of the Lord, it's really easy to fall into this path of cheap grace. We start to flirt around with sin or we start to mess with sin with certain things in our lives because, well, there's grace, right? Instead of going to God and asking, how can I overcome this temptation? Right? We start asking, God, how far can I go? with this sin before I go to hell. Right? How far can I mess around with this before I get kicked out of heaven? Well, brothers and sisters, we need to have a fear of the Lord so that we see and treat sin and temptation the way that, we're, that it's supposed to be treated in the light of God's holiness and God's righteousness. People that don't have a fear of the Lord, they only see God as a means of escaping hell and going to heaven and not as Lord and not as 
God who is to be worshipped and revered and someone that we need to please with our lives and to obey, right? That's like that's like a marriage, right? When we got married, it wasn't just so that we can get a ring and say that we have a marriage certificate. No, it's so that we can have a life together and, and, and live together and have have, have relationship and, 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 and honor each other and please one another. Right? But when when we don't have a fear of the Lord, right, that's not our mentality. Our mentality is just like, hey, I have my ticket to heaven. Now how much of this world can I mess around in right, and still keep my ticket to heaven? So many Christians, they think in this way. But a true fear of the Lord causes us not only hate sin, but cause us to flee from sin, turn away from sin. And we struggle, we seek to repent from sin. Right? And in a way, we may, we may actually mess up, but you know, instead of just looking for a loophole, we actually struggle and we wrestle and we try to get out and we try to repent and we turn from that sin. Because we have a fear of the Lord. <coughs> so when people are looking for loopholes, <coughs> how, well, how far can I go? How, what can I do? And still be considered okay. In Genesis, you guys know the story of Joseph, right? Joseph had a very sad life, right? right? If there ever was a bummer, it was Joseph. For a long time, right? right he, he gets all... All these, he gets all these dreams and his dad favors him and his brothers just be like, man, and they kick him into a pit and beat him up and they sell him off into slavery. That's what, like the worst thing that I've ever heard of a brother's doing to somebody, right? Like, like I was like, man, we, how could you, how could you do that? But he gets sold into slavery. He ends up in Potiphar's house. <coughs> and then the Bible says that Joseph was a handsome, good looking man, right? <clears throat> can somebody give me some water? Asia, can you give me some water? I'm getting really dry in here. <clears throat> He's a good-looking man, and and you know, and you have to understand, like Potiphar's wife comes and tries to seduce Joseph, right? Now you have to understand, <clears throat> this was before the Ten Commandments, the before the whole like, <clears throat> thou shalt not commit adultery thing. <clears throat> and Joseph is a good-looking man. He's depressed. His own brothers had sold him into slavery. He fought, his father believes that he's dead. No one's going to come and rescue him. He's sad. <clears throat> Life is not going the way that that it should. And he doesn't have a Bible to guide him. He doesn't have the Holy Spirit or the gospel of Jesus and the blood of Christ to reveal God's love for him. If anyone had an excuse to just say, screw it, right? And just, just, just do whatever... It was Joseph. Joseph was at the end of his rope, right? And, and you know, like, there was nothing really stopping him. But what did Joseph do? Potiphar's wife comes and he's like, sleep with me. Come to bed with me. And what does this young man do? He fled. He didn't see how far he can go before committing sin. He wasn't trying to find a loophole. You know, like he could have said, like God, you never gave us a set of rules where this is considered wrong, right? No, what did he do? He fled, and she was like grabbing him, and then the homie like just like gets out of his jacket, leaves it behind, and he runs off, right? He like literally he he runs away, 
And what caused Joseph to have this kind of a resolve? To not lose hope when he's in prison. A false accusation, right? He's forgotten about in prison. And then eventually he becomes prime minister of, of Egypt. And his brothers who had sold him off into slavery come asking for help. What kept him from paying them back what they deserved and what they did to him? And what caused him to forgive them and accept him? What is it that kept him righteous before God? Genesis 42:18. it says, he says it. He says, on the third day, Joseph said to them, do this and you will live for I fear God. It was the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord helps us to see sin for what it is. And treat it the way it needs to be treated. To flee from it. To hate it. To turn from it. Because God hates sin. He abhors sins. And sin, ca- and sin causes distance and separation between us and God. And so we, we hate that. And it's out of a fear of the Lord. John Bevere, is one of Mina's favorite authors, says this. The fear of God is not being afraid of Him. It's being afraid of being away from Him. Being separated from Him. And that fear causes us to see sin correctly. It causes us to struggle and wrestle with sin. We are not going to be perfect. None of us are perfect. But there's a wrestling and a struggling that comes when we fear the Lord. We don't just... You know, like jump into sin, like ta-da, and jump out of sin, and ta-da. But when we fall, we struggle. We're like, God, help me. And there is a genuine desire in our hearts to be like, God, help me to get over this. Help me to get past this. Help me to overcome this. Because why? There is a fear of the Lord in our hearts that causes us to hate sin. Because God hates sin. And so the, a fear of the Lord, having a true fear of the Lord, it helps us to see sin correctly. Right? It helps us to see temptation and, 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 and evil correctly. And lastly, fear of the Lord brings true wisdom. Proverbs 9.10. I think a lot of us, we have this memorized. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Now, we live in a society today that values intelligence, but not wisdom. But God is the other around. He values wisdom, but he doesn't value intelligence. Because you can have all the intelligence in the world. Harvard educated, right? Have a seven-figure job with the corner office. But in your lack of wisdom, cheat on your wife, get divorced. Your ex-wife gets half your money, plus alimony. And you don't get to see your kids no more. And you have a generally miserable life. Why? Because you have a lack of wisdom in your life. Intelligence can make you really like big in the world, but only wisdom makes us big in the kingdom of God. And what the Bible tells us is that, you know, is it says it in James. It tells us that if you if you lack wisdom, let let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. Right? Bible tells us to to not value intelligence because you know, it's being wise in our own eyes. Right? I'm not telling you guys to drop out of school and like you know be dumb. No, 
But don't put so much value into your intelligence because it's, that's what it is, being wise in your own eyes. Or don't go after the wisdom of the world, which is a lot of nonsense that's created by man, but seek God's wisdom of all else, which is the only true wisdom, right? And then James tells us that if we lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives it generously to all who, without reproach, and it will be given to him. Now, I believe that this, this passage in James is a little misleading. It makes it sound like a transaction. It makes it sound too easy. And I feel like the verse makes it sound a little too easy. If we ask, he'll give it to us, right? But if you really look at the word ask in the Bible, right? If you really look at the deeper meaning, in the Greek, there's multiple words for the word ask. Like, just like many other words in Greek, there's many words for the word ask. And the very simple version of the word ask is ex etadzo, and it literally means inquire to ask, right? It's like, ask your mom to bring me this, right? But the word that James uses here is much more dense of a meaning, and it's called aiteo, and it means ask to beg, call for, crave, desire, and require, right? So there's this seeking out aspect of this word. It isn't just to ask, but it's to seek because we need it. It's a requirement in our life. We beg, we plead for it. It's a much deeper word. It's much more than just asking God and Him giving it to us. And this makes more sense when we re- look at it in light of Proverbs 9.10 that we read earlier. In other patches, passages in the book of Proverbs that talk about wisdom... And here's the truth about God's wisdom. It's not something that God sprinkles over us every time we ask. We think of it that way because of James. We're like, oh, (laughs) if we ask, he's going to give it to us. God, give me wisdom. And we wait and nothing happens. I've tried that before. God, give me wisdom. And I'm still as dumb as I always been, right? And we think of it as just this transaction. If we ask, he's going to sprinkle in on us, right? You want wisdom? Well, here you go, right? But wisdom is something that needs to be sought after. The word ask is like beg, crave, you know, require it in your life. Seek after it. it needs to be desired. It's not something that happens to us overnight with no volition on our part. But we think of it that way. Because the Bible in this way says like if you ask, he'll give it to you. But you know what? You have to really ask. You have to really want it. I remember this girl, like, like a long time ago in our church. It, like, I forgot what she it was. Just, she did this funny joke where we were all walking together, and then and then she goes up to my friend Danny. He's like, he's like, hey, tell me that you want it. And he's like, what? And he's like, tell me that you want it. And he's like, I want it. And he's like, tell me that you really want it. And he's like, I really want it. And then she handed him his bag to carry as they were walking down the street, right? And he's like, what? But like you have to really want the wisdom of the Lord. It's not something that's just going to be given to you. That's just going to be something just handed to you because you ask. But so many times we think of it that way, like God, and like we we think that wisdom is just going to come to us just because we ask, without any seeking in our hearts, without any kind of obedience or like position of our hearts. I said, God, I want to be more like you. And here's the truth. It's not something that just God sprinkles on it, but wisdom is something that needs to be sought after. It needs to be desired. The, 
Proverbs says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. People mistake that. They think the fear of the Lord is wisdom. No. It says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Meaning that true wisdom begins when we start fearing the Lord. It's not something that God sprinkles over us every time we ask. But we have to truly want it and desire it because our desires in our hearts is, has, is this reverence for God, has a fear of the Lord. And when we start putting Him first in our lives, when we start seeing Him with reverence and respect and honor... And from that place of wisdom, begin to grow and mature and increase as we continue to live our lives for God in obedience to Him and His Word. It's the beginning of wisdom. But there's the whole walking out process. It's like the beginning of a race. You you don't win just at the beginning of a race, right? I win every race. I could line up. But, but he's saying, this is the beginning. When you start to fear the Lord, that's the beginning of wisdom. Meaning wisdom can only come when we live it out in our lives. <clears throat> when we follow God's word. When we obey His commandments. And as James says, don't just hear the word of God, but do what it says. And all of this begins in our lives when we start to have a true fear of the Lord. It is the position of our hearts. You, you see, like, so many of us think that wisdom is like a magic power that God's just going to give us because we ask. The true wisdom of the Lord is something that He gives generously. He's not going to withhold it from us. He's going to generally give it to us as we learn to fear Him. And continue to walk in His statutes. In His ways, according to His purpose. Right? You know, when, when you come to a place in your life and you're like, God, I, I, like, I can take this easy way out and it's the fleshly way out and it's just, just a thing that I can do or God, I'm just, I'm gonna wait on you and I'm gonna wait on your timing and I'm gonna obey, you know, I'm gonna obey your will. And every time you do that, you know what happens? A little bit of wisdom grows inside of you. Why? Because you've, you've made the process and, and you've actually made that decision and you've walked down in obedience. And what happens? Wisdom happens, right? But it's not going to happen. If you're just constantly making just like foolish, self, like selfish and fleshly decisions in your life. And you're like, God, give me wisdom. I'm going to go and, you know, you know, like party and, you know, date this person and, and, you know, sleep around. But, you know, I, I, I ask for wisdom, right? But, but true wisdom goes hand in hand with the fear of the Lord. And it's the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Now, I, I want to close with this. And I'm going to close with Proverbs chapter 2. If you guys have your Bible, turn to Proverbs chapter 2. And we're going to read this all together. says, I'll read it to you, I'm reading the ESV version, but it says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ears attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. 
we're, we're, there's a lot of seeking going on in there, right? Right. I, you know, like I've never sought after like any kind of treasure in, in my life, but like the closest thing is when Mina lost her engagement. I searched my house, like I flipped that place upside upside down like uh, like a hundred times, right? I was searching it like it was it was a treasure, right? Like God saying you have to seek after it like that, right? Then then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from His mouth <laughs> come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the path of justice and watching over the ways of His saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity. Even good, even, Every good path for wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the ways of evil, from men of perverted speech who forsake the path of uprightness to walk in the path, walk in ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, when whose path are crooked, men whose path are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsake the companion of her youth and forget the covenant of her God, for her house sinks down to death and her path to, to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the path of life. So you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the path of the righteous, for the upright will inhabit the land, and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. Verse says, when you read this, and and what God, what what the writer of of Proverbs is talking about is a fear of the Lord. You know, one of the things that that I, I would guarantee you, right, in in your life is that. If you learn to walk in true wisdom of God, right? I'm not talking about intelligence. When you learn to walk in true wisdom of God, what the Bible promises us is prosperity. And I'm right now, I'm not preaching the prosperity gospel, right? I'm just talking, I'm just preaching just sound, good judgment, right? Because what the Bible in Proverbs talks about, right, is just sound, godly wisdom. If you live your life, right? With sound, godly wisdom, the, the Bible promises us what? Long life, right? Pro- like prosperity, right? Joy and, 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 and goodness and, you know, righteousness in our lives. And, and, and the basic path of that comes from us having a fear of the Lord. It's not a, a, a magic formula that we can just like write down and just do. Here's the formula. You look at God right and you do what He says and your life will go well in your life. It makes sense, right? You look at God rightly and do what He says and your life will go well. And that's, that's what the fear of the Lord is. Fear of the Lord is seeing God for who He is, seeing God rightly, and seeing everything else the way that it's supposed to be seen. And we, us, out of reverence and out of just love and, and, and honor and, and, you know, respect for God, walking out in His goodness and in His will, 
and living a life that's according to His purpose. But it says, let us be people of God that walk in the fear of the Lord, that walk in reverence for God who who is everything to us. Walk in valuing God and His Word above all else because when we do, we won't just draw near to Him, but we'll cling to Him. When we know how good God is, know what we do, we cling to God. We have a fear of the Lord, we'll cling to Him. And all the other fears in our lives, including the fear of death, will be overcome. Out of reverence and love and adoration, we'll see sin for what it is. And we'll be people that walk in His wisdom. And it all starts from a fear of the Lord. Because we're never going to be perfect. There's going to be times where we start to fear things of this world, people of this world, man, fear man, fear you know, institutions, fear all of these things more than we fear the Lord. But I want to ask you to really take stock in, in who, who you are and who God is right? and go to God. And now I want to encourage you guys for us all to be people that walk in the fear of the Lord, looking to Him rightly. It doesn't mean that He doesn't love us. <clears throat> he loves us more than we can possibly imagine. And it doesn't, it doesn't mean that, you know, that there's no grace, but His love and His grace. The Bible says, Jesus came. Right? Moses came by the law, but Jesus came through what? Right? Grace and truth. Truth and grace. There's grace, but there's also truth. And the truth is seeing God for who He is. 